Hey everyone, and welcome back to Podcast of the Day. I'm your host, Grant, and on today's show, we're talking about a podcast, specifically a podcast called Creating Our Own Lives, and we'll talk about it more coming up next. So, as I was saying earlier, the podcast of the day today is called Creating Our Own Lives. And by the way, that song was My Heart by XIXX. Um, and you can go download that on SoundCloud at XIXX. But anyways, today's podcast is called Creating Our Own Lives. It's produced by the same people that produce On Being with Krista Tippett. A uh, pretty popular podcast that you might have heard of before. Um, but specifically, Creating Our Own Lives, which also is a acronym called COOL, or better known as COOL, uh, it's about exploring questions about life. Uh, so it's a couple of the seasons focus on different ideas. The first season focused on running as a spiritual practice, and then the second season uh, that is that just wrapped up not too long ago uh, was using humor as a tool for survival. And so the third season upcoming is about another idea, and that's the general premise of, or excuse me, of creating our own lives. Really, really cool show, and I will talk no further. I want you to listen to a clip, so we'll play that now. I don't think that humor is a way of pretending that something isn't happening. I don't think it's evasive at all. On some levels, I think it's a safety net, and um, it's how we also protect our hearts from just bleeding to death. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Lily Percy, and this is Creating Our Own Lives, cool for short, the podcast where I ask people to think through how they shape their lives, and hopefully by listening, we learn how to create our own. This season on Cool, we're talking about humor as a tool for survival. And when I started thinking about who I wanted to talk to, one of the first people that came to mind was Terry McMillan. I've been reading her books and watching the movies based on her books for years. Savannah in Waiting to Exhale, Stella in Stella's Got Her Groove Back, and Georgia in her latest wonderful novel, I Almost Forgot About You. I know these women. I see myself in them and in the way that they use humor to face whatever life throws at them. And after talking with Terry McMillan, it feels like she looks at the world this way, too. Who was the person that made you laugh the most when you were growing up? Um, Probably my mother. Hmm. She had something to say about everything and everybody. <laughs> and, um, you know, I realized first I thought she was two-faced. Hmm. Then I realized everything she said behind their back, she would also say it to their face. But it was hilarious. I mean, and she even did it in church. I mean, like, not. it was harmless. It was harmless. You know, like, where did she find that hat? <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, I think growing up poor or financially challenged, as it's now called, you had to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You had to see... You had to look at things a lot differently. Otherwise, you'd probably just be depressed all the time. So we ended up finding, and I found, as the oldest of five, a lot of ways to make light of things that were heavy, mm. if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially because you were the oldest. You had that kind of responsibility. I think it also had a lot to do with just um, trying to make my siblings feel better. And not take everything so seriously. Mm. But I consider my work to be tragic comedy. That's what I call it. Yeah, you once said in an interview 
you know, a lot of women are afraid to make changes in their lives. I don't like writing about victims. I like to write about people who get over things and make changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. And the characters that you write, these women, you know, I see them using humor not only to survive, but to help them make the changes they need to make. And it's deep and painful and funny all at the same time. And I just wonder, how has humor helped you make changes in your life? How has it helped you survive? Well, I don't know if I can say that I was very conscientious about it. I think that, you know, I mean, a lot of things weigh us down. And if you can't see them in a brighter light, then things just stay dark. And I don't like it there. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I don't like it there. And I realize that sometimes you can, you have to excavate and you can dig your way out of things. And one way of doing that is not just to see the beauty, but to realize that that you can't give some things and some people that much power. Mm. You know, you do yourself a disservice. And plus, you have to give yourself a little bit more credit. Yeah. But I also like to laugh, um, and I make fun of myself a lot. Very (laughs) self-deprecating. So that episode is featuring Terry McMillan, as you heard. And I picked that one because I'm sure you've probably heard of Terry McMillan. She's pretty renowned. um, But she's got some really cool insights, and it provides a way to really engage you about using humor as a tool for survival, which is all of what season two is about. So uh, it's a really interesting idea, and it's definitely executed very well, and I found it to be super interesting, um, so much so that I got in touch with the producer of Creating Our Own Lives, and we're going to listen to her now. So enjoy. Um, I'm Lily Percy. I uh, currently live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, although I moved here four years ago from DC, lived there for a couple years. And then before that, New York and before that Miami where I grew up and, uh, I moved from Columbia when I was four to Miami. So a little different, like little journeys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I am an audio producer and, uh, the host of creating our own lives. Cool for short, um, which on being studios, um, has done two seasons of, and we're currently working on our third. Well, fantastic. So um, where did the game of audio start for you? Were you, you were already in like the world of audio and everything? No, I, cool? um, I mean, growing up, I thought I was going to write about movies. Like I oh, wow. loved so much and I wanted to be not a film critic. Cause I feel like I don't have the balls to be a film critic. Like you have to be pretty <laughs> scathing sometimes. And yes. I just don't have that kind of nature. Um, but I just wanted to write about movies and, um, quickly discovered that that, um, in many ways would be kind of killing my love for them. Like I worked out of college for two years in a a really small independent film magazine. And I realized that I love it too much to work anything, like do anything with it. Um, cause I mean, as you can, you know, yourself, you sometimes talk to people you really admire and you're like, Oh, you're actually really a horrible person, but I love your movies. And like, now I know this about you. And, uh, I felt like it was just too close. Um, so during that, uh, time I had, um, after college interned at, uh, national public radio at NPR in DC. And, um, that was really where I first kind of got into audio. Um, I had listened to public radio in my dad's car growing up, uh, car talk. (laughs) Um, but like, I never thought about that as a career. I honestly had no idea that people did this. Like they edited audio and you recorded things. And so NPR was my first kind of glimpse into the world. And I really fell in love with it there. Oh, that's awesome. And when was that, if you don't mind me asking? 
Yeah, that was 2005 when I was an intern okay. there. I interned for the arts desk, which was such a privilege because it was all the arts reporters. And so um, it meant that, you know, I remember at the time, Netta Ulubi, who's still a reporter with NPR and, and an amazing, amazing reporter. She was doing like a profile on Hayao Miyazaki, um, the filmmaker. And like, mm-hmm. so just being a part of like the whole process and seeing how they did interviews and uh, how you recorded sound and what you did with a microphone. Right, and, right. Um, it was really a how-to guide on how to do all of that, and I just never even knew that existed. That world. That that's so cool. I've actually looked up to NPR for I don't even know how long now. So that's that's yeah. awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, so now going there, I know there's sort of a difference between public radio and podcasting. Was there mm-hmm. a step straight from there that you went into podcasting, or was it mostly doing radio and then jumping into it? Yeah, mostly doing radio. I think public radio has gone kind of slow to the game of podcasting. I remember when I actually was intern um, at NPR, they were just starting to talk about it. And it was, you know, 2005. And they were like, I don't know, you know, should we take this seriously? And Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of bizarre to think about it. But I think they were a little bit um, skeptical that it would stick around. And um, maybe they thought it was like laser discs to DVDs. I don't know. They were just like, oh, we'll wait and see if this thing catches on. Um, but then they kind of started to just do their daily news shows and podcasts and stuff. And so, um, I kind of first started getting involved in podcasting as a listener like you, like I started downloading shows and getting really into it. And I love that much like with music, you could just carry it with you and you could have it on your iPod and um, back then on your iPod, then your phone. So I always you know, got involved with public radio and, um, through that way, basically learned how to be a producer and then kind of then made it way into, uh, podcasting. Okay. Awesome. And so, um, where exactly did, uh, cool, uh, come along? If it's okay if I refer to it as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Creating, creating our own lives is, is a mouthful. Um, so I work as an executive producer here for On Being with Krista Tippett and Krista's the host and the executive producer of that show. And I'd actually listened to that as a podcast for many years when I lived in New York and loved it and was really excited to work with her when she started her own production company four years ago. And um, a couple of other people in public radio have done that, like Ira Glass did that, um, actually the Car Talk guys, mm-hmm. um, Maria Nahosa from Latino USA have formed their own independent production companies to basically not only produce their own shows, but also be able to do other content. Right. And when I started working with Krista, she said she was really interested in doing other podcasts. And... Um, we were thinking through kind of like what are some things that fit under, you know, our brand that we could do that's shorter. Because on being is it's a lot to ask people. It's 51 minutes right. and you know, it's one guest and it's a whole conversation. And um, it's a really it's a space that asks you to think about a lot of things. And so um, originally I started by thinking about um, this question of running as a spiritual practice. And I started thinking, oh, maybe we could turn it into an on-being show where it'd be multiple voices because um, we've done that in the past. And through that, actually, it became very clear that this could be its own podcast. And um, we just, one of the great things about having your own independent production company is you can take risks and try things out. And yeah. she's, she's you know, at the forefront of that. She's like, let's try it and let's do it. And um, that's what we did. And the name of it came from at the time we were kind of all brainstorming names. And I came across this quote from Thomas Merton, um, the Buddhist and you know Catholic monk. And it talked a lot about like the emphasis that we place on other people. But what about actually creating our own lives and right. like, what's the intention behind that? And for me, I just always 
basically look to other people to tell me how to live my life. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. How did this person do it? Mm-hmm. And that's why I love like interviewing. It's just kind of an excuse to learn from other people. So that was the kind of gist of the podcast. And um, so the first season we did was that running a spiritual practice. Gotcha. Um, and the second season, which we released uh, this summer, um, is about humor as a tool for survival. And I really like the idea of talking to a bunch of different people from different backgrounds, all about the same thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I think what it demonstrates is how much we're connected, but also how we take different like paths and figure it out in different ways, even if we're trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. For a first-time listener who's just finding the show, what would be like your quick synopsis of it or, or a quick brief on it? Yeah. So I think it's tough because every season, I mean, there's only been two seasons and the third one we're working on now, um, they're each different themes. Right. And so I think the thing that I would say is if you're someone who really enjoys learning by listening, you know, learning uh, from other people, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a podcast for you. You know, it's tough because I know the first season like runners really came on board because runners are like their own breed of people and they love running. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Of course. But also it was great to hear from people who saw it, saw running as kind of a tool or a vehicle for like, oh, I can make my own spiritual practice. Like I, it doesn't need to look the way that it does for someone else. Like some right. people go to church, I go running. Some people um, go to temple, you know, I go to the movies. That's that's what I do. Um, so I think it it is really for people who are looking to, um, yeah, learn from other people and, and ask kind of big questions. Uh, to help them survive every day, because <laughs> that's all we're doing. <laughs> right. Every day, surviving. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you did the first season in 2016. Now, was that, like, did that go above and beyond your expectations for what you thought? Or uh, I guess, how did, how did that pan out? How did season one go for you? I feel like it's all been an experiment, because, um, you know, my background is as a producer, just like you, and... I am not super comfortable being in the conversation. And so something that I did when I was at NPR, even when I did reporter pieces, is like I interview the people, I use their sound bites bites, and I do my script, right? And it's very kind of controlled and it's more about them than Mm me. And so I never felt really comfortable in that role of host and interviewer. So the first season of running is really I took myself out of it. So I edited all my questions out. Um, and they're all just these five to to 10 minute segments of, um, the people kind of talking, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really love that format. Um, but some of the feedback we got from listeners actually was that they missed having the conversation. They missed being able to hear the conversation. Um, and I think a lot of that is because at on being, that's what it is, right? It's a conversation. And so when people are coming on studios, there's kind of an expectation that there's going to be someone kind of guiding you. Mm -hmm. So um, the second season, that's why we decided to try out, you know, me actually being there. And it was really scary. <laughs> really, really scary. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, because it's like you just feel like, a, like an idiot. You, know, you feel like a dumbass and people are listening to you. And, um, you know, I was also really nervous about, um, you know, messing, messing it up for the guests. Like I right. want to be the what, you know, the listener is listening to. Um all that to say, I mean, they both have been successes in different ways. Um, but I think it's still hard to wrap around what it's going to end up being because I think we're continuously trying new things and learning. Um, yeah. Well, I have to say it's definitely an awesome um, idea, and I think you ran with it pretty well. So um, 
Definitely awesome. And then, so the second season revolves around this idea of comedians and everything. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. um, I mean, selfishly, all the three kind of um, kind of seasons that we're we've been doing this Mm -hmm. third one I'm doing right now. They're all just topics that I'm really interested in. Um, So with running, I'm not a runner. Um, but I do Pilates has been something that has become like meditation to me. Like it's the only time I can shut my brain off of, um, from like the crazy buzzing that happens in the brain. And so I really related to how runners talked about that. And so that's why I wanted to talk to people about their own experience, um, using running in that way. And with the second season, humor is a tool for survival. It's the same thing. Like I'm the, that's like one of my biggest tools to get through the day is to make jokes sure. and to laugh at things and laugh at really hard things. You know, I have a very dark sense of humor and I was really fascinated by um, the idea of talking to people from different backgrounds, different professions about that exact thing, like mm-hmm. how they use humor in their own lives. Um, so we ended up very consciously only talking to um, two comedians um, Hari Kondabolu and Margaret Cho. And both of them are people that use humor in very distinct ways. I mean, Margaret Cho has been very open about her like sexual abuse in her past and um, a lot of issues that have, have come from that. And she uses the stage as therapy. Um, and with Hari Kondabolu, it, it's always been fascinating to hear him and his comedy talk about really like divisive political issues and make a point that uh, comes across clearer than any politician I've heard. Like he just, he uses comedy as a way to really get a point across and illustrate um, a really big idea. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of the people were just different professions. And um, what I really hoped is that by the end of it, by the 15, you know, if you hopefully listen to all 15 voices that you would get a sense of how you do this in your own life and maybe learn a couple of like coping mechanisms that you could figure out on your own to use. So how much would you say that you have learned personally from doing not just the season about about comedians and um, runners, but just in general talking with all of these different people? Oh, my God, so much. I can, <laughs> yeah, 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 I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's for me and um, I'm really lucky to work with people who feel the same way here at On Big Studios. We all view like the content we produce as like the reward and the success. And so um I learned so much from so many different people. I mean, with running, one of my favorite uh, conversations was with is with this teacher, Christina Torres, and she's a Mexipina. She's Mexican Filipina, and um, she talked about how like she's always been someone who was never comfortable with her body, um, and you know just felt overweight and and chubby and always like kind of like an outsider and. Mm-hmm through running discovered like the power that her body had. And she has this amazing quote where she says, you know, that my body can do things like what else have I been lying to myself about? And that was huge for me as someone who could relate to that whole idea of of body kind of shame and self image. And um, I mean, a lot of times it's like healing for me to talk to these people and be like, Oh my God, this is what they did to overcome this in their life. And I can apply it in my own um, and with humor, it was kind of astounding. I think I knew superficially that it's something that we, we all use in our own way to get through bad, bad stuff in our life. But I really had no idea how deep it can go. Um, you know, one of the people that I spoke with is um, this uh, Rabbi Amakai Levy, who his parents were Holocaust survivors. And um, like dark, dark humor is what they use in their family mm-hmm. to deal with like really, really horrible shit that they've gone through. And, um, 
And he was just, it was illuminating to talk to him because he gave the example of how even in Judaism, there's like what he called a poo prayer, which is literally when people are constipated, there's a prayer that they like recite to like basically ask God to help them, um, you know, like take a shit, basically. (laughs) And, you know, it's like half comedy, but half like this is just this is part of the religion and Mm -hmm. things like that I had no idea about. And it, it just illustrated his point, which is God has a sense of humor, too. Um, there's a lot of humor if we kind of just look for it and pay attention to it. So, um, really selfishly, I just get so much from talking to people. That's so cool. And I, I mean, so you weren't necessarily like an interviewer coming to this sort of podcast before. No, I'd always been a producer like yourself. And, um, one of the things you are asked to do at NPR is, uh, inter- do pre-interviews. Mm-hmm. So I started gaining skills in that way. Um, and then often with pieces that, um, would, I would pitch, you know, to shows and, you know, inevitably, like it just became easier for me to do them as reporter pieces Right. in those scenarios. I also had to learn to interview, but honestly, I think my interview skills really came from listening. Like Mm -hmm. I listening to other podcasts, um, listening to how people that I admired, like did the interviewing, um, including my boss. I mean, she's someone who like is not uncomfortable with silence or letting people just think through things. And, um, I, I learned so much from her and just how to ask a question. Um, but I used to work at StoryCorps as well as a producer in New York city, like an oral history project. And in that one, it was really pivotal to just let people, you know, speak and let them just say what they're going to say and, um, figure out how best to phrase a question so that people feel really comfortable and trust you. Mm-hmm. So all like all those things really came from listening more so than actual interviewing. And that's interesting that you think it'd be. <laughs> The other way around or, you know, something like that. But that's 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 an interesting take. Yeah. So season three, what exactly is the focus of that? And then is it coming out soon or is it still um, still under wraps or? Yeah, no, it's um, we've done two interviews so far. And the idea is uh, not surprisingly movies as sacred spaces. Okay. Um, okay. And so the whole idea for me is that movie theaters and movies are where I go to really um, to learn lessons about myself, about the world, about people. It's where I process everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of, you know, there's a whole generation of people who aren't growing up religious and we're all looking for different places to feel connected to each mm-hmm. other and to spirituality. And movies are my place for that. And so I'm talking to different people about a specific movie that each one of them picks um, that taught them kind of a big life lesson. Okay. It's been really okay. fascinating so far, um, the movies that people have chosen and just like the stuff we've talked about, because um, it's mind blowing what, what you will discover about yourself from a yeah, movie. That sounds really interesting. And so how the response has been so far then? Has it been like what you thought they would be or is it? Yeah, no, um, <laughs> at all. Like uh, this amazing, one of the people that I've talked to so far is this writer. Um, she's a trans woman and she talks about how she came to really accept herself by watching actually the uh, Japanese animation of Hayao Miyazaki, um, like oh, Spirited okay. Away and um, Princess Mononoke. And partially it's because his characters, a lot of the female protagonists are actually really androgynous. And she was able to really like, think through a lot of the things that she was working through in her own identity as a trans woman. I never thought that that would be something that um, someone would find and see themselves in. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So stuff like that is really fascinating to, I, to encounter. I'm, I'm curious to see what other 
like movies that you'll get out of this because a lot of I feel I feel as though a lot of people did have different connections with different movies yeah. that you would just never ever think of. So that's exactly. that sounds amazing. No, I'm I'm super excited about it because it's like the best thing ever to get to talk to people about movies. For me, yeah. I could talk to them all day long. So, <laughs> well, I gotta say, you, you say that it's selfish, but I feel I feel as though the topics you're picking do appeal to a lot of people. So I think I think a lot of listeners will, I mean, like this from from my uh, my my station at least because I've highlighted everything. It feels like so. I feel yeah. like with this podcast, you get a lot of different ideas and everything thrown at you. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really, you know, hope that it illustrates how complex and complicated all of us are, yeah. right? And like the interests that we have and all the ways we learn stuff. And it doesn't come in the most conventional ways. Yeah. Like, I love Bruce Springsteen. And one of the things that he talks about is how um, it's actually a song lyric. He said, I learned more from a three minute record than I ever learned in school. And I'm like, I feel that way about movies and music yeah. and books. I'm like, I can count like two things I maybe learned in all of, you know, high school and junior high and on, but I have learned so much from all these other places. And so, um, I hope that that's something that people discover. That's awesome. Um, so is there an expected date for that yet? Or you, is it, is it still like a, a work? Yeah, You've it's still, um, we like to make sure that, um, we like produce everything. We're very, we have high standards on production. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we're, we're hoping for the end of the year, um, beginning of next year, if not sooner, but awesome. yeah, okay. see how all that, all that goes, as you know, like booking guests is half the battle. <laughs> um, and yes, yes, absolutely. All that stuff is honestly what takes the most. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think once we feel like we have a really good set of people that, um, are representative of, you know, diversity in many forms, not just like gender and race and sexuality and religion, mm -hmm. but like really also in like backgrounds. We really want um, folks to listen and be able to get a, a big sense of this whole idea behind it. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping that by the end of the year. Okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure that does take a lot of just time and effort. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you walk me through like the process of how you get some of these guests? Because some are like huge names, and then others, I'm, I at least I haven't heard of before. So I'm just curious yeah. as to um, what the process is in order to get these different guests on your show. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I've learned um, through the years as a producer is it never hurts to ask. I mean, you'd be mm -hmm. surprised. Big names, if it's a topic they're really interested in, they will say yes. Um, I'm always repeatedly shocked by people we've gotten mm -hmm. uh, just based on the idea because it's not me and it's not uh, any of us. It's really about them wanting to talk about this one idea. Mm -hmm. um, but the biggest thing is figuring out the angle to get to them. So, um, you know, often with a bigger name, it's like, OK, did they ever write a book? Did they ever produce a film? Do they have a production company like and trying like seven different ways to get a request to them mm -hmm. persisting until you either annoy them into saying yes, or they're just like, no, yeah, right. <laughs> so just, then you let it go. Um, but, but that's really what it is. And, and often the research is just Googling a certain ideas, um, with the movie series. Now it's been interesting because it's been a lot of like, um, life lessons learned through movies, going through different blogs, going through Tumblr. I mean, going through a lot of places and trying to find different people writing about different movies and then seeing if it's something that I think could make for a really good conversation. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of the, the way to go at it. But with bigger names, you know, it's something I learned definitely at NPR by um, a lot of the mentors I had, which is like persistence is key. Mm -hmm. and then trying all the different angles, because you'd be surprised sometimes 
you'll go through a person's publicist, you know, an actor or, or a director, and then you go through their production company. And one may tell you, tell you no, and probably they never even checked with that person. And then the production company's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So you, you don't know where it's going to come through. So definitely fire from all cylinders. <laughs> all cylinders, yeah. Of course, once they say no, let it go. Yeah, right, right, right. A little bit, a little bit annoying. Um, but yeah, I think it's persistence and just basically every approach, every angle always helps. Interesting. And so in doing all of these interviews and everything, have you had any just favorite moments from, from doing all of them or any um, any just wow moments when, when yeah. you're talking with these people? Um. I think, you know, with actually with um, Lindy West, who is a writer, this is for the the humor series, um, you know, there was reading her book, first of all, was amazing. I mean, it's an incredible book. Um, it's called Shrill. And she talking to her was like a lot of wow moments because she's just so good at like describing exactly what it feels like to be insecure and to um, kind of disarm with comedy. I mean, she gets at it so, so amazingly, like her sentences are like precise and brilliant. And that's how she is as a person as well. So I felt like that conversation was like a therapy session for me when I was talking to her. Um, so that was, that was like an amazing experience. Cause I just was so blown away by her. Um, but I think, you know, with one of the fun moments for me was with Hari Kondabolu, the comedian, because, um, I asked him a question and he just flat out was like, no, 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 no. And it was just like when you have these moments of interaction that feel like a real conversation, the way you do with your friend, you know, yeah, absolutely. that's when you feel like, oh, OK, I've made this person feel so comfortable that they're just like, nope, you know, they're they're really fine with shutting me down, which yeah, makes me. Right. Feel yeah, that's cool. Well, I think I think that's about all I have for you. Is there any like last words or anything that you wanted to give? No, I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is um, one of the things that I love, love, love to do is you know, try new things. And if folks have any ideas, once they listen, feedback is so important to us. Um, critical feedback, uh, especially things that people feel aren't working, things they'd like to hear more of, mm -hmm. potential topics for other seasons, all that stuff. If they could just um, write me, um, my email is on the On Being website or I'm on Twitter as well. And we also have real cool podcasts as our Twitter handle. So all of that stuff. Awesome. And then so is, do you want to give like the URL to your website if you want to go oh, find everything? Yeah. So um, I, the best way to find us actually, if you go to onbeing.org, it sounds like on bean whenever I say it, like it's those coffee beans. No, <laughs> O-N-B-E-I-N-G.org um, and the forward slash creating our own lives or cool. Both of those will actually get you there. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lily. I sure did. And she had a lot of insight about the show and about all of her experience in podcasting and radio. So anyways, that'll do it for podcast of the day today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Special shout out to my roommate, Drew, who's sitting right behind me as I'm recording all this. Say hi, Drew. Hello. <laughs> anyways, I will see you guys tomorrow on the next edition of podcast of the day. But until then, have a great one. Thank you.